Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. I uh, wanted to talk to you, Kurt, about commodity supplies. And to talk about supplies, we'd be remiss not to mention the Russia and Ukraine conflict. They're both critical suppliers of food and grains, energy and metals. Uh, and earlier, just earlier this year, it was a widely held belief that Russia wouldn't invade. But if they did, it would be over in a week. Now we're well over six months in. And of course, this is still having an impact on markets today. Uh, through summer, Ukraine has continued to show resolve and have actually regained some of their territory more recently. In the context of commodities, ongoing co uh, conflict will continue to be a supply constraint globally. And while not trying to predict an outcome, what are your thoughts on commodity supplies as they relate to the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Yeah. Hey, Ryan. I think you know this, this conflict was something that was not in anyone's forecast. All right. No one at the beginning of 22 thought, okay, let's put in a major you know, military conflict between Russia and Ukraine and the commensurate kind of economic impacts that would have, whether it's you know, embargoes on, on fuel or exports from Russia, as well as Russia's refusal to deliver oil and gas to Europe in the way that they have traditionally for the last uh, decades. So I think this has been very unexpected. But as you said, um, in addition to the conflict itself being a surprise, I think that just the fact that we're still talking about it and it's still ongoing and very much um, alive today, you know, more than six months in, is, is is significant. And I'm saying this in the context of commodities because this is the breadbasket of Europe. So huge amounts of wheat are produced from this region. Um, sunflower oil, which is not maybe as common in the U.S., but is very common in Europe and the U.K. Um, many of those uh, supplies come from this Ukraine region, and all those supplies have been just bungled up for the last six months. And, and so we're not seeing the production that we would hope for. There have been some successes in exports from uh, grains that were in storage at the beginning of the war that are finally starting to eke out. But I would say those shipments um, are not anywhere near what we saw in 2019, 2020. And further, I think production you know, the, the harvest for the next cycle has also been constrained by the conflict um, and by, you know, in the lack of ability of storage for farmers. So this, this is still a big issue. So going beyond even food, we've got the aspect that you know, Russia is a huge producer of certain key industrial metals. They're large producer of gold, also major producer of platinum palladium group metals, which are used in pollution control. Um, but, you know, also significant producers of, of nickel, of copper. Um, and um, Russia continues to move towards being a economic pariah on the global stage that we are seeing less and less willingness to do business with Russia. Um, I think there's a, a reasonably high risk that Russia is not going to be a, a a global exporter of energy anywhere like they used to be. I mean, they were a major exporter of oil and gas for decades, huge, one of the most important sources of their economic, uh, you know, output every year. Essentially Europe is cutting off Russia as a supplier of both oil and gas, um, probably by the end of 22, that's going to be painful for large parts of Europe. Um, painful in terms of not having adequate supply of heating oil or gas for heating or for energy output, but um, also uh, uh, painful in terms of the prices. If you even can access those, that prices have gone up a lot. If you look at natural gas prices in Europe or even the price of local 
you know, spot oil, they're very, very high. Um, so I think that it's almost impossible to overestimate um, the impact on global supplies, whether it's food, metals, or energy that the Ukraine and Russia conflict have imposed on the global economy. Um, and, and, you know, interestingly, as we get into the, you know, later 22, we're not seeing any kind of quick resolution. We're seeing, in fact, maybe an escalation of hostilities between those. Um, thankfully, we've had some positive signs of, of, you know, shipments of grains out of Ukraine. Um, uh, but I think the conflict itself is still as hot as ever. Maybe, as I said, even escalating from here. And I think those are all going to have a significant input or impact on, uh, on, on global supplies and output uh, across major sectors of the commodity world. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on this. Ukraine uh, is, a, is a massive exporter of grain. And uh, through March and sep- uh, March to August of this year, it's been reported that they've only exported about 40% of the amount of grain that it would normally uh, export. Um, it's expected to bounce up with the Black Sea grain export deal with Russia, and it's supposed to be closer to the 80 to 90% range for September. Uh, but Russia expected to sell more of its fertilizer through that deal, and that's not happening. Uh, that deal expires in November and will need to be renewed for global food security and to free up storage for the next crop um, as well. So it, uh, that, it remains to be seen how that'll play out. That might be another stress uh, on uh, on supplies if they cannot renew that deal. But not only are food supplies critical from these regions, but we've also had lackluster U.S. food harvest. We've had persistent drought conditions. Uh, South America has had had some challenges as well. Corn, soybean, wheat yields are much lower than expected and uh, will likely need two more normal, quote unquote, years to ease tight inventories. Uh, what other factors are you keeping an eye on that may have an effect on supplies? Yeah, I mean, those are great points. I mean, I, the the, the source of Ukraine and Russia for food for parts of the Middle East is critical. So, for example, like a country like Egypt, um, 80 to 100 percent of their wheat comes from that region and they cannot produce it domestically. And it's a major food source. And I'd remind everyone that, you know, something is as chaotic as the Arab Spring was to some degree driven by a food crisis and a wheat shortage and a price spike in Egypt. So, you know, these are events that can create global instability or certainly regional instability. Um, So going beyond Ukraine and Russia, uh, where else can we produce and, and maybe take up for the slack in production? Well, we've seen, as you mentioned, uh, significant heat and drought effects that affected Central Europe, uh, Western Europe, uh, even the UK, where we had, you know, fires going on in central London um, and temperatures that they haven't seen in, in, in decades. Um, and we've seen challenged, you know, uh, heat and weather conditions in the U.S. Um, thankfully for the United States, we are energy independent. We can produce our own food. We have adequate uh, supply of most industrial metals that we might need to produce, but we are a major exporter. So um, if we have diminished supplies, um, that means that prices go up and we don't have as much to export. We've even seen things, Ryan, like in, in India, where uh, it, the global the population of India is so high, their um, production of food is somewhat limited. And we've seen them decide, I think in the last month or two, to halt exports of rice globally. 
that's a big deal. Um, they're, and they're doing it domestically to make sure that they have ample stores for their population. Um, but that means that they're not exporting it to other countries that might be relying on them as an export partner. So I guess my main point would be um, there's not that much slack in the system to fill the role that Russia and Ukraine would have traditionally provided to the global stage for food production. Um, and these climate constraints are creating, um, you know, further and further supply shortages, which the UN and others have highlighted as being not just a food security risk, but a, you know, a global security risk because it creates instability, uh, can lead to higher prices and other effects. Absolutely. So it does look like we're looking at tight inventories for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, this has been The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. We'd love to hear from you at uh, The Real Spiel at USCFinvestments.com, and we'll talk to you next week.